You're listening to the Third Cup of Coffee podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a slightly late edition of the Third Cup of Coffee. My name is Randy Bolander, and this week, such fun. We recorded Sunday morning at the bridge, both my teaching, but also an insertion from a Ukrainian pastor whose father-in-law has planted churches all over Russia as a Ukrainian. At the end of the service, we gathered around and prayed for them. It was a really, really powerful time. And uh, we've got it all for you coming up next on the Third Cup of Coffee. Welcome, welcome. We are so glad to have you. If you're joining us online, thanks for being there. Thanks for those of you that found your way over today and found a chair. What a great problem. Good to see everybody. A uh, couple of, uh, one real quick announcement. If, uh, if you're looking to give, you can do that online at thebridgekc.church. If you're watching online, you can do it that way. You can do it from your phone. Also, a big orange bucket out in the foyer that serves as that. And so, welcome everybody. Going to dive right in this morning. Uh, because we've got a couple of things going on, and I want to make sure we make uh, time and a room for them. Um, have a brother here from the Ukraine who's going to share a little bit, and uh, it just it dovetailed so well with what I was speaking on. Uh, Rachel reached out to me last night. She's like, "I think could we do this?" And I'm like, "Well, it's either listen to him or listen to me talk about the Ukraine." And of the two, I think our brother Russ might be the better choice. I don't know. And so. Uh, we, uh, we may go back into intercession after that, just spend some time praying. It just dovetailed so well with where we're at. Welcome to, uh, we are going into a couple of weeks. We're going to focus on, on kind of the same thing. Uh, and so we're, we're glad to have you with us. But first, what appears to be a tangential story, but always makes sense at the end. You ever notice this happens? Like the first story is always like, eh, it always comes back around. Okay. George Bush was, not the first George Bush, not the second one. Some of you are too young to remember there were two. But uh, the first one had a really crazy career. He was House of Representatives, was the head of the CIA, became the vice president, became the president. However, with all that he did, one of his oft-repeated quotes has nothing to do with any of his accomplishments and everything to do with broccoli. He was in a staff meeting one time, and they, they went in out of the staff meeting right into a press conference, and it kind of went off the rails. And somewhere along the line, in the press conference, the President of the United States said, I do not like broccoli. And I haven't liked it since I was a little kid, and my mother made me eat it. I am the President of the United States, and I'm not going to eat any more broccoli. Nothing the president said for days after that was heard because everybody wanted to ask about the broccoli. Even after being elected the president, he felt it important that he declare there were things he was just not going to do. As children, we didn't like being told what to do. Maybe like some of you, it's been too long. You don't remember. But honestly, you didn't like it as a child. I have children, I know. And when we become adults, there are things we just don't do. We don't want to eat the broccoli. We don't eat the broccoli. We don't want to do this. We don't do much we don't want to do unless it's forced upon us by, by an illness or a tragedy or something. And then we, then we deal with it. 
Other than medical emergencies, most of the hard things we do, we do by choice. We decide to do them, which makes us come to kind of an unusual juncture as a church because I am here today to compel you to do something that you probably don't want to do. I am cordially inviting you to a fast, okay? And you can determine what that looks like. You can do a Daniel fast. You can do no meats, no sweets. You can do a water fast. You can fast one meal a day. However you want to say yes, I'm inviting you to say yes. Particularly from sunup on March 7th. Some of you just breathe a sigh of relief because you have a roast in the oven at home and you're like, he is not going to pull this out on me. No, no, no. I'm a big fan of, of giving warnings. So from March 7th, sunup to sundown on April 15th. And this is what I'm asking you to consider. I'm actually asking you to do. Saying asking you to consider sounds kinder, but honestly, that's where we're going. Maintain your non-eating plan, whatever you determine that to be. Be in the word and be in prayer. Take communion every day. And on Sunday mornings during that season, we're going to take part of each Sunday morning and specifically pray together in corporate prayer. We're going to make this a, a praying fast. Now, normally when I preach, we start with a passage and we unpack that and we go from there. But this morning, I really want to speak to the moment we are in. We're going to reference your Bibles, so keep them out. But uh, we also want to reference where we find ourselves as a people. For some time, I've wanted to invite you into this corporate fast, and for reasons that I saw coming, and for reasons that I did not see coming, I believe that now is the time. Ecclesiastes tells us there is a time for everything, and I really believe that now is the time to fast. And part of it is a timing piece. And let me just back up and give you about 60 seconds of recap. For some of you, this will be old news, but for some of you, you've not heard this. And I just want to make sure that we all start on the same page because it has a big impact as to why we're stepping into this fast right now. The night of January 3rd into the morning of January 4th, I had a really distinct dream from the Lord. I had gone to bed that night a little bit agitated, telling Kelsey, I cannot fathom going into another year that was like the last year. I just felt super focused on myself the entire year. And I said, it's time to move beyond that. I go to sleep and I dream that my friend Jacob Ebersole, who is a missionary evangelist to Africa and around the world, was flying me to St. Louis for a heart transplant. And I knew in the dream that it was a heart for evangelism. Like that was what it was all about. It was a physical operation. Something was going to happen, but I was going to have a heart for evangelism. Kind of tried to unpack that. I kind of understood it, but maybe not. But a few weeks later, we're spending the, the evening with Lou Engel, and uh, he's asking me about it, and he shares a story with me that I have heard him tell for 15 years. But I've never seen myself in the story. He tells me that he has this encounter with the Lord, and the Lord speaks to him 20 years ago and told him, what Charles Lindbergh did in the natural, Lou, you will do in the spiritual. You will raise up an air force of long-distance fasting flyers who, like Daniel, in fasting, will shift principalities and powers over whole nations. And those long-distance flyers will sweep the skies like no other generation, releasing the great harvest of history. Now, you have to understand, when you receive prophetic words in a New Testament context, those are not a contract, okay? 
Those are not an ironclad. They're actually an invitation to lean in. Prophetic words are an invitation to exercise faith and action. And I think we are entering into that kind of prophetic invitation. And we're receiving an invitation in two parts. And I don't know that I'm going to get to, to both of them this morning, but I'll definitely get to one. We may get to two. But part one of this invitation, per this word from Lou and really what is on our hearts, is to shift principalities and powers over whole nations. Just as we talked last week about there being spiritual forces at work in our lives, spiritual forces of darkness and of light, and we battle with those just like that, those things exist over regions and nations. And Daniel 10, an angel responds to Daniel, who's on a 21-day fast. And he tells him that he is the answer that has come in response to his fast. But he tells him it was delayed. He goes, you've been fasting and praying, and the answer was coming from the beginning, but it was delayed by one of these beings, one of these principalities or powers over a region. He tells him in Daniel 10, 13, these are the words of the angel. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes or angels, came to help me. This is like some Star Wars level stuff. Okay, there's an angel wanting to go help Daniel, but a demon rises up who's a principality over that region and they battle and the angel calls for another angel. They come and he goes, okay, I'm here. I, it took me 21 days, but I'm here. Now here's the crazy part. Paul tells us that we will do business with those very principalities that Michael and the other angel battled. Ephesians 6.12, he said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The things that those angels battled, we are invited to do battle with. Now, I don't take that lightly. Okay, I don't just throw that out there. But that is the kind of thing we're called to contend for. And I believe that now is the time for the bridge to step into a calling of the church to shift things in heavenly places. Okay, we have worked hard. We have given. Some of you have given sacrificially. We have uh, carried chairs. We've set up sound equipment. We've done... But we're into a next phase here of actually doing battle in a heavenly realm over nations and regions. You all right, buddy? You good? Okay, just check it. For those of you that are watching online, we just had a fall, child fall out of a chair, but we're good. Now, how many of you are really sick of the word unprecedented? Like, you can live a long time. There's so many things unprecedented have happened to us, like, in the last two years. It's all unprecedented. What has happened this week in Ukraine borders on the unprecedented in our lifetime. Okay, we've not seen anything like this in our lifetime. However, it has happened in history. We find ourselves with Russia sweeping through Ukraine, acting as if the world turns a blind eye to it that Russia would be satisfied. Mark my words, the Russian bear, if it were to conquer Ukraine, would not be satisfied with Ukraine. They will keep marching. They will not be satisfied any more than Germany was satisfied in 1939 when they took Czechoslovakia. Prior to World War II, Adolf Hitler 
invaded Czechoslovakia, telling Europe, I'm just going there to protect the Germans that are there. I'm just going in for their own good. Does that sound familiar? He said, in one point, he actually said, Ein Land, ein Volk, ein Führer, which is one land, one people, one leader. Does this sound familiar? Of course, the world let him have it. Most people in Western Europe couldn't tell the difference between a German and a Czechoslovakian anyway. They said they're probably cousins. Why don't we let him just have them? If we let him have it, he'll settle down. Europe told Hitler, okay, you can go ahead, have Czechoslovakia. They gathered in Munich. They met. They decided to let him have it. And Neville Chamberlain, the leader of England, flew home to London and declared, we have peace in our time. We did it. We pacified the tyrant. And now we'll have peace forevermore. In a few years, the entire world was involved in a war that spread around the globe. When we say peace in our time to a tyrant, the, the best outcome is maybe we're pushing war off on our children. Like, that's the best outcome. Maybe our grandchildren will have to fight a fight that we don't have to fight. Now, I am not prophesying World War III. Honestly, I hear people say that. I don't think it's helpful. I don't think any sort of world conflict is going to look anything like any world conflict that we've seen in the past. What I'm saying is Russia will not be satisfied with the Ukraine. And if world leaders don't walk this out with wisdom and with some measure of intervention, this is only the beginning. Russia would like to reassemble the Soviet Union. If they can build steam on that, China will jump in. China will take Taiwan. You know, China had planes in Taiwanese airspace 18 hours after Putin invaded Ukraine. It's the next step. If we have ever needed to shift principalities and powers over whole nations, it is now. So we fast and we pray and we look to history for examples of faith to draw on. Let me give you three books that you really need to get your head around, okay? I almost brought one, but I knew if I brought it, Roger would take it. Where's Roger? Roger, any, any book I reference, Roger orders it in two days. You need these three books. Derek Prince's book, Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. Anything by, about or by Reese Howell. Reese Howell gathered a Bible college in Wales and ruled the air during World War II from a bunker where they prayed. They would hear what was going on, they'd gather in their bunker, they would pray for the protection of London, and entire battalions would shift. Crazy stories. Read Eric Metaxas' biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. These three books will give you a well-rounded picture of the role of the church in crisis like we are facing. And you know what? It's not marching and it's not politics, although there's a time for that. It is prayer, it is fasting, and it is tight community. When people understand that they're living in a war, they live differently. And we've got to start to shift to a wartime mentality in our spiritual walk. When we live in war, I promise you, nobody in Kiev last night watched Netflix and ordered a pizza. That's a luxury you don't have in wartime. During World War II, American citizens who were 3,500 miles from the nearest fighting changed the way that they thought 
and lived with a wartime mentality and made sacrifices so that on the battlefield things could change. And the Lord is calling the bridge, I think he's calling the whole church, but in as much as I have influence, the Lord is calling the bridge to live with a spiritual wartime mentality. You live different. It is one that says, okay, if fasting shifts history, I'll fast. If prayer presses back evil, I'll pray. If adjusting my own self-control in some areas gives me a measure of authority that I didn't have before, I will adjust my own self-control so that I have authority because we're in a wartime situation. I believe the fast that we are being called to is for authority in prayer, for God's sovereign hand over the nations of the earth. Remember the word? He is raising up long-distance fasting flyers like Daniel who will shift principalities and powers over whole nations. I want to be like a Reese Howells company that gathers and prays and things happen around the globe. Now, I have already told you just a little bit that I know, more than I know about Ukraine. Okay, I'm right on the edge here of like, I know history, I don't know Ukraine. We have a, a brother with us, Ukrainian. He's uh, got family there. Brother Russ, if you would come for a second. Just ask him to come show us a couple of things. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> want him to uh, share a little bit, show us a couple of things, and then we want to pray for this need. Well, I just uh, really thank you for a chance to invite us here. I just want to show you the Ukrainian flag. It's really similar to the Midwest because the blue color stands for a peace and a sky and the yellow color stands for a bread and harvest and, and anything is, uh, has a lot of bread, has a lot of wheat. So in Ukraine, it's pretty similar as the Midwest. Ukraine is a, a bread a basket of Europe for, for the food. So I just want to share a little bit of the story of Ukraine and we will have a prayer here. I just want to say something prophetically to you guys about the bridge church. Uh, God is going to call you on the bridge and he is going to call a lot of Christians today in the last days to go over the comfort zone from our comfort zone where we are across the bridge for uncomfortness to reach out to those we never thought we were going to reach. I live in America for 23 years. My family here, uh, my parents here, right here. They not, speak, uh, they not speak English. Can you stand up? They have 10 kids. I'm the oldest kid. Uh, I also have my uh, sister here, uh, number six sister. Because it's 10 of us, so it's their family. They moved from New York because it was similar to, to Ukraine at some point in, when pandemic start, start. And they used to pastor in church there. So they are here with us today. And uh, uh, we just also started church uh, last couple months ago called John 316 Church. So I think it's a bridge between something of those. And I also uh, want to present my wife and my kids here. Uh, my wife is Russian. So, uh, honey, can you stand up? We married 25 years. 
Uh, and those my kids, Anna and Daniela and Samantha, and little Samuel actually like your Sunday school, so he's somewhere there. Uh, so, and you know what? I'm Ukrainian, American, and my wife, Russian-American, and they says they are American. So they, they, they have nothing to do with Ukraine or Russia. They call themselves American. So that's the reason why God called us to something. And uh, I'm really thankful for, Renee, uh, for Rachel and for Wallace. We've been traveling through Ukraine many, many places. I brought them to Kiev and Odessa and, and Kharkov and, and, and Lviv. So like Kharkov right there on the east, Kiev is the capital, Odessa is right on the bottom, and uh, it's Lviv right on the, on the, on the, on the west side. I am right, I born right there where's the, where it says Ukraine by letter E. I born right there called Cherkasy. So that's my home place where I come from. I also see the Rene Lauks family here. We love you guys. I also realize it's a teacher from my, from our son, from our school of our daughter somewhere. So here's what I want to say something about what is going to happen. What, and actually, I was thinking about to, to share the message you says about uh, uh, Ephesians uh, 6.12. But I want to give you some perspective of what is God doing. Uh, I might say something might you not be comfortable with, but I want, something from, I want to say something from God. Because God is doing something because He is fighting for souls and revival on this planet. And he, is, he will go across the boundaries of the borders. He will go across the boundaries of any political realms. He will conquer this planet for his glory. And his son will take the crown. So I born in Ukraine. And uh, my parents was always be a missionary to Russia. In 1992... They moved thousands of kilometers into the Russia on the south border. And at that time when Soviet Union collapsed, Russia has only, only 29 churches. It's over 10,000 churches and group right now. And 75% of those pastors are Ukrainian. Ukraine is really similar to America because we sent missionaries from Ukraine all over the globe, and all former Soviet Union pastors are from Ukraine. And this is the reason why Satan don't like that. Imagine those pastors in Russia right now calling out people of Russia, praying for Ukraine. Can you understand what kind of spiritual worries go there? So, the Kiev is on the north, right, the capital. Bill Russia is right on the top. So, let me show you. Oh, that's not good. Okay. That's the Belarusia border here. That's the Romania. That's the Poland. That's the uh, Romania here. Romania right here. That's the Moldova. That's the Crimea, and this is the Russia. So Kiev is right here. The forces coming right now from the Belarusia, which is Russian forces as well. This is a little strip here. It's called Prednistrovia. Remember about 10 years ago was a war in Moldova? And the Russians put their Prednistrovia here, right here. This is their army base here. And also they occupied Crimea here. 
So it's a Russian base here. This is the Donbass area. They occupy this place, those Donetsk and Lugansk right here. So right now, the four forces coming from this side, from this side, from this side, and from this side, and occupying, and they want to cut all this, all this, all this strip, the third of Ukraine. I know that when we was pastor in church in Russia, I was only 16. And I become a pastor of whatever leader for a youth group. My wife was the first Christian person in our family, in our church. And she started Sunday school. So we was very young and we married later. And, and, uh, and a lot of Christians grew up from that environment to working with, uh, with people. So what I want to say is God is doing something. He's bringing people together. It is thousands of Ukrainians. I would say hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian immigrants in America right now. We have three waves of movement to, to America. First was by Lenin, then by Stalin, and then when Soviet Union collapsed. And now, all of those Ukrainians, that's one of the reasons why we start church, kind of. They're moving from the West Coast and the East Coast, and all of the big city where the blue states is, they all of them moving into the Midwest. So the arrival is coming here, guys. And we have to build the bridges to go to each other. And, and I believe that God going to revive America and the whole planet. And he will raise the family of international family of revival to bring the glory. And we will go across the politics and everything to reach people. And I'm here for a very simple reason. Me and my wife, we help in a lot of people all the time. And right now, our family, I don't know if you have a picture. I guess you have somewhere. Two video clips? Yeah, let's, let's see those two video clips. That's my cousins. They sent that video for us from, from their backyard. Because when it started, it started basically our village where I grow is uh, only 10 kilometers from the army base. So they started bombing the old bases first. After one of the bombing night, the kids praying for protection overnight. And uh, I just want to share something. I got text message uh, on the Viber. We have a big group there. And uh, she sent us the text. Uh, and she says, I have a new things for rejoice today. First, I'm alive. Second, 
I have no panic. Third one, I am underground. Fourth one, I did eat. This one is really interesting. I have a shower at my neighbors I did not know. And I have a chance to wash my hair. You know, when, when our life changed suddenly like that, totally new perspective come into our life. I just want to show you if, if that picture of my family there somewhere. You don't have it? Okay. It, it is a family. It's my mom and it's her sister. And 15 of them right now is uh, trying to cross the border right now at Slovenia. Because right now on a, on a western side of Ukraine, where the Lviv is, Lviv, the, Lviv is the western capital. See So that is the east capital, that is the, the main capital, and that is the west capital. Right now, it is over, over 100,000, I mean, sorry, a million migrants right now in this area, right now, from the whole Ukraine. A million migrants. So something going on up there. And my family took the trip. My sister come from Kiev. They escaped the bombing. They jump here with, my, with her mom and two brothers, and they go here to Vinnytsia to see an, another brother. And then they took the trip over Moldova border through the small villages and coming to Slovenia right here because that's the easiest place right now to cross the border. And they're going to make their way to Poland, to American embassy. And since they have a family here, we try to take them here. So I appreciate for your time. Blessings. I want, I want to share just a little bit more briefly, and then we want to turn around and pray for your family, very specifically. I think one of the callings on this church is to shift principalities over regions. That is not grandiose. That's actually what is described in the Bible. The church has kind of ignored it for a long time. But it is to shift into a wartime mentality and understand that we have authority in realms that we don't know. And we can pray right here and things happen in Kiev. We can pray right here and hearts are moved in Moscow. Like that's within our portfolio. Do you understand that? Some of us are going, oh, are we called to this? We're not just called to this. We are tasked with this. This wasn't just an invitation. This was a job that we were given. Part of this fast that we are going into is to gain authority in that realm. Because I just kind of have a feeling that we are not yet into that mentality, that wartime mentality that says, let's make the sacrifices that we have to in order to gain the authority that we need. And that's where we're going. The second part of why we're looking at this fast is to release a harvest of souls. When we think of living with a wartime mentality, it would be really easy to hunker down and take care of our own. But it's completely anti-kingdom of God. The kingdom expands, and it often expands fastest in times of great difficulty. 1 Timothy 4, 5 says, But you, 
Keep your head in all situations. When the jets are flying over, when the news is crazy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. The idea of a great end-time harvest, some people make a great argument for it. Biblically, some people go, oh, I don't know if I really see it. I think a great deal of it is left up to us, our efforts and the Lord's anointing on our life. Personally, I believe that the future can still be deeply impacted by the actions and the anointing that rests on the church. The next chapter of history is yet to be written, and maybe we have a hand in writing it ourselves. I don't think that view shows a lack of confidence and sovereignty. I think it shows that he's inviting us in to help accomplish that. Some will say, well, you know, a great revival is just preordained. Well, if it's preordained, why fast? Why pray? Why even talk to people about Jesus? Let me tell you why evangelism matters in the future of the bridge. First of all, because Jesus is worthy of souls. There's not an individual that you will encounter this week that Jesus is not worthy of the worship of. So people matter. But also, I don't want to live a life that finds me at the end where I've got some kind of weird Oscar Schindler moment where I realize I have done good, but I could have seen so many more things happen. I want to do all I can in this life. What if the response of people's heart to accepting Jesus was somehow tied to the effort that we put forth and the anointing that rests on our lives with that effort? It is God enabling us to do our part, but we still have to do our part. And honestly, after coming through 2019, 2020, 2021, I don't know if our heart's fully in it yet. Our hearts have been beaten up by circumstances and our mind has been distracted by legitimate things, but lesser issues. And we are so focused on taking care of ourselves and our own rights that we have dulled ourselves to the fact that people die and go to hell. Please don't interpret this as a scolding. I'm speaking to myself. Understand, I was the one in the dream that got the heart transplant. So I am among you. I am praying that that heart transplant would take place. A heart of an evangelist to dwell within me and within the heart of the bridge so that every encounter that we have with people leaves them more hungry for Jesus than they were before. I'm not looking to form teams that go do evangelism. I'm looking to affect hearts that reflect Jesus wherever they go. 1 Peter 3, 15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope you have and do it with great gentleness and respect. When we impact individuals, we impact families. When we impact families, we impact communities. We impact communities, we impact municipalities and regions and even nations. We have yet to see the fulfillment of the calling of Matthew 28, where he says, go and make disciples of nations. We haven't seen that yet. I'm believing for nations to turn to Jesus on the cross voluntarily before they face him at the end of the age in his wrath. I want them to be drawn to his love, but they're only drawn to his love if we develop the heart of an evangelist. And some of us say it can't happen here. It can happen in Africa. It can happen in Asia. It can happen in small little islands that we have to go Google. 
but it probably can't happen here. When we say that, what we are saying is we are too full, fully developed or we are too sophisticated. We are not that sophisticated, okay? We watch hit TV shows about people who are famous just because they're famous. That's not, we're pretty crude, actually. Our heart for evangelism and our heart to shift the powers and principalities over nations are not separate goals. We can't do one without the other. We are also fasting because there is a momentum on this for the global church. I am hearing about more groups calling a fast in this season at the same time than I have ever heard. Many of you are familiar with the send that is coming to Arrowhead Stadium. They're asking for 5,000 people to fast during this exact same season. Behind that organization, we have people like Andy Bird from YWAM, the largest missions organization in the world. Francis Chan, who's incredibly well-known in the evangelical world, joining his voice to that. Lou Engle, not known in the evangelical world, known in heaven and hell. He is calling people to fast. Daniel Kalenda, who preached last year in Africa over four nights, preached to 1.2 million people. Some of you practical people are going, well, that's not that many. Some people came twice. Let's say they all came four nights. That's still a lot of people. Locally, people like Randy Frazee at Westside Baptist are saying, we can't do this without fasting. So could we not fast? Yes. And we could miss it. When it all happens and our grandchildren ask us, what did you do during the revolution, Grandpa? Are we going to say we watched or we fasted with the church? Now, fasts are both routine and specific in the life of a believer. And I'm just going to touch on one more thing, and then I want to pray for our brother and his family. Jesus communicated to his disciples that fasting was a normal part of following him. Some people go, you know, Jesus never really said anything specific about fasting. Most of the people who say that are looking for a reason not to fast. Jesus also didn't say anything really specifically about not beating your spouse. But contextually, I think we would agree that Jesus was anti-spouse beating. He was also pro-fasting. There's this passage in Matthew 6, 16 to 18, where he says these three little words that are just really hard to avoid. He says, when you fast, if you fast would have been easier. But he says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so their fasting can be seen by others. I say to you, they've received their reward. And he says it again, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your father who is in secret. And your father who sees it in secret will reward you. By saying, when you fast, what he is telegraphing there is, you're going to fast. This is going to be a part of your life. I expect that you will do this. And especially, he says that I expect you will do this and you will do it in such a way that it'll be so normal that you will not draw attention to yourselves. You will fast and you'll still go to Trader Joe's. You'll fast, you'll go to the library, you'll fast, you'll go to work. The only way for that to happen is for that to be routine fasting. Okay? Fasting a day here, a day there, saying, okay, Tuesdays are my fast day or I'm going to take three days here. But it's just a part of normal life. 
Now, if you do a 40-day water fast, by the end of that, you're not going to Trader Joe's, okay? If you do something that radical, and maybe the Lord's calling you to do that, just be aware you're going to have to adjust your activity towards the end. A couple of years ago, Zion and I went to haul some furniture out of a guy's apartment. And we got there, and the guy's sitting very still. And Zion was a little curious about why is this guy not helping us? Well, what I knew was the guy was on day 39 of a water fast. And he wasn't doing anything he didn't have to do. He just wasn't moving. And when we got out, Zion was like, what was that guy? And I explained he was on day 39 of just water. I remember Zion telling me, well, that explains why he looked like he was about to perish. <laughs> so there are long, specific class, fasts, but there are also routine fasting that we do, and we just maintain our life. But don't write yourself a hall pass out of fasting because you're not feeling it. It's not eating. Nobody ever feels that. How do you feel today? Feel like not eating. That has never been said. Yet we're called to fast. And fast regularly. Wesley Duell was a minister of the Wesleyan movement who preached into his late 90s. And when he was 94, he was invited to come and preach at a specific church. The pastor goes to meet him. And uh, of course, he's 94 years old. So they, they get a, a permission to go to the gate to pick him up. And the plane empties out. And no Pastor Duvall. And then all the late stragglers that get off the plane late, you know, the guy who fell asleep or the lady with all the kids or the guy with the 40-pound backpack, all of them come off the plane. No Pastor Duvall. So he checked to the guest at the, at the gate and they said, oh, he's coming. Well, the next people that come out are three flight attendants and they are all, they're a mess. They're weeping. They got mascara just all over them. They're just crying. And the pastor said, have you seen this pastor Duvall? And one of the flight attendants said, oh, you're waiting for that precious little old man back there? He was just praying for us. It was so beautiful. I've never felt such love in all of my life. How do you become a man whose simple prayers in the back of an airplane cause multiple flight attendants to burst into tears because the presence of the Lord is so strong? This is what his life was like. He fasted regularly. He said this, you and I have no more right to omit fasting because we feel no special emotional prompting than we have to omit prayer, Bible reading, or assembling with God's children for lack of some special emotional prompting. He said, this is just a part of Christian life, is to fast. And if we wait till we feel like it, we'll never do it. Yet Jesus said, when you fast. So we are facing the expectation of Jesus on our life and we're writing ourselves a pass because we're just not feeling it. Like, oh, I didn't ask if you felt it. I said, when you do it. So even this morning, some of you have thought of days in those 40-day windows, birthdays, anniversaries, just things that you're like... There will never be a perfect time. There just won't. And if you have a family celebration and you have the grace to say, I'm going to fast and then we're going to do this celebration and then I'm going to fast, you do that. Nobody, nobody is forced to do this. It's voluntary. But if you're waiting for that sudden wave of desire, that's not coming. Okay? Many of you have a discipline in your life to read the word. You don't always feel like it. You have a discipline 
to pray. You don't always feel like it. You have a discipline to come here this morning. Most of you didn't feel like it. But you did it. Because you know there's value there and you know it's, it's something the Lord has laid on your heart. He is laying on the bridge an expectation of fasting. I'm going to talk more about this next week. Some of the practicals, how we fast specifically for some things and other things are general fast. Give you some uh, mechanics of what that'll look like. We're going to try and set up some gathering times for all of us. But while we still have time, I want to ask if the worship team would come back. Because we want to pray for our brother and his family. Just for clarity, he has family gathered. Are they at the border? Come back, come back up here. Come back up here. Are they gathered at the border right now? It's 15 of them at the border now. And eight of them is kids. And the youngest is uh, even not a year. 15 not people gathered at the border of Poland? or yes. where? Uh, Slovenia right now. It's by the border of Slovenia. You know where Slovenia? Slovenia, right? Czechoslovakia used to be. So it's two countries now. So Slovenia. Yeah. So right on the border there. Fifteen gathered at the border, some on their way, many children. One of the difficulties in getting them out really is financial. And so we're going to pray, but they're going to be around later. If the Lord lays on your heart to help their family out, talk to him directly. I'm not going to do this through the bridge, just you can speak with him about the best way to do that. But I want to take just a little bit of time here and do what we talked about and pray that things would be shifted over Ukraine. So, I'm going to ask you to step up here, right here, if you would. And uh, your father, can we bring your father up? This man, as a story, right, started churches in Russia. Yes, Right. 1992. Started churches in Russia. I have great affection for him, 10 children. I have ten, tell him I have 10 children. Oh, you do? I have 10. Can you tell him? I can't. Because, yeah, I really do. Sounds crazy, I know. Is he? <laughs> he just fact-checked me. Like, like, I'm bringing the ship to an emotional end, and he just fact-checked me. I want him to know that. Hold on, are you American? Yes, I am American. <laughs> but my family are Germans from Russia. I don't know if that oh, makes any difference. That's probably Okay, that's probably it. But he needs to know this. <laughs> See, it's not, that, it's not that crazy to him. Okay. His parents has 14. Okay. I've been beat. And his mom, my mom family has 12. I win that game almost everywhere, and I just lost. <laughs> Somebody was reminding me. I introduced um, Rick Santorum at an event one time, and he's got like six kids or six or eight, maybe eight. And I got up and I said, well, maybe your family will get bigger one day. And uh, he didn't think it was funny at all. <laughs> it, was, it was just like, it just fell flat. Everybody laughed except him. But uh, okay, sorry, we have diverted. But we had time, aren't you glad? We want to take a little bit of time and pray. If you two would gather right here, if you would step over here by your son. These two represent something powerful. Churches planted in Russia. Ukrainians trying to get people out. So I'm going to pray, and if any of you feel just compelled, I want to invite you to jump on this mic. Kel, I'm going to invite you to do that as well. Pray. Stand with me. 
Father, we ask that you would come and invade this space right now. Father, we ask that you would move over the heavens of Ukraine right now. Just begin to lift your voice. Father, that you would shift things in the spirit. In as much as it is in our authority to ask, we ask right now for clarity in the spirit over the skies of Kiev. Father, that you would press back darkness right now over Ukraine. Father, that you would break in and encourage the church in Ukraine right now. That the gospel would go forth and even in this season of testing, many would come to know Jesus, Father. Lord, move in Ukraine right now. Move in Ukraine right now. Lord, we list, we, we just lift up the Ruslan's family right now in Jesus' name. We thank you yes. for the peace of God to rest yes. upon Ruslan's family, all 15 of them. We release the yes. assignments of God. We release the angels of peace yes. and comfort right now to every family that is fleeing in Jesus' name. We release the power of God over those families that are traveling. We declare and decree peace and safety over the Ukrainian people right now in Jesus' name that you would guard their lives, that you would guard yes. their lives guard their lives that not even one life would be lost lord we're asking for your your presence to wrap around the children especially like what with a like a blanket lord we're asking protect the children from yes. trauma in jesus name we plead the blood of jesus yes. lord over our brothers and sisters in ukraine lord god and we thank you we thank you that you go with them we thank you that you go with them. You are the, you're the fire by night and the cloud by yes. day, that you send the angel of the Lord before them and you protect them around about and you're their rear guard, Lord. And so, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, would you bring 15 air tickets, Lord, airplane yes. tickets for these family members, 15 airplane tickets, yes, that that family would be here within the week. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would have safe passage and that they would find themselves in the homes of their families and they would say, God is good and his yes. mercy endures forever. Yes. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever, Lord God. Pour out, pour out provision for every family that yes. is fleeing right now. In Jesus' name, Lord.
We, I agree with Rachel for the release of Angelic Hosts yes. to go and, and to make a way to go before them, to go behind them. Father, I pray that they would bring many with them, that you would create a safe passageway in the name of Jesus. Drive back the enemy in Jesus' name. Drive back darkness. Release light into Ukraine. Release light and life and salvation in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, we ask you for mercy right now. You are the God of mercy, the God who is rich in mercy, who's abounding in loving kindness. We ask, Father, that you'd release your spirit upon our brother Russ's family that's at the border, his friends that are in that nation, his family and friends that are in Russia. Lord, we ask, God, that you'd pour out your spirit, that they'd be strengthened with hope even now, Lord God. And Father, we lift our brothers and sisters Lord, believers across these two nations before you. We ask, Father, that you would pour your spirit upon them. Uh, that you would strengthen their spirit, man, right now, Lord. We ask, Father, that you'd give them songs in the night. Lord, that their prayers would ascend like incense before you. Father, we ask you, God, to raise up the praying church in that region. Lord, that they would shift and shake the heavens over Ukraine and Russia. And we join ourselves with them right now. We ask you, God, that you would send forth your light. We ask you, God, that you'd release, God, breakthrough in the spirit right now. Father, that you'd push back the powers and the principalities over that region. We ask, Father, as you say in Proverbs 21, that the heart of the kings are in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it like a watershed wherever he will. Father, we ask you to turn the hearts of these leaders of President Putin and Zelensky, Lord God, of other leaders in the military, in, in regional principal, uh, regional provinces, Lord God. We ask, Father, that you put wisdom, counsel, and the fear of the Lord in the heart of these leaders. Father, we release the decree of Psalm 2. We say, be wise, O kings. Be discerning, O judges. Tremble before the Lord. Bow down low, kiss the sun in this hour. Father, apprehend the hearts of these ones and turn them towards light and righteousness. God, let this be an hour of deliverance, an hour of salvation. Shine the light of your face and let this be a day of awakening and revival all across Ukraine, all across Russia, Lord. Pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we want to lift up Brother Russ and his family right now, that you would protect them, that you would keep them safe, that you would provide the finances that they need to get here to America. Yeah. Lord God, we call forth those finances in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Lord God, we pray for the Ukrainian people that right now you would pour out your spirit upon them, that you would be their fortress, their shield, that you would be the one that be a hedge of protection for them. I pray for the government of the Ukraine right now that you give them strength to withstand the enemy. Lord God, I pray that you would speak in their in their meetings the plans of Russia. Lord God, I pray for the Russian people to be blinded as they go into Ukraine, that their their air force, their, their utensils would not work. They would not be able to see clearly and they'd have to land instead of fighting. I pray that the tanks would, would just stop. Lord God, they would not be able to fire. That you would protect the Ukrainian people in the name of Jesus and a great revival would happen in Ukraine. That their people would have dreams of Jesus right now, Lord God. They would re be reminded of their first love. They would be reminded of the one that keeps watch over them at night. The one who does not sleep nor slumber but has their eye on them. That will not let their foot slip. Lord, open their eyes to Jesus right now. Pour out upon them. Bless them. Provide for them. Give them everything they need for sustenance, for strength, but bring their hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Abba, we stand in agreement with your love for your crane. We thank you that we can trust you in this hour of trouble. We speak right now Psalm 91 and Psalm 121. We look to the hills from where our help comes from. Heaven and earth, we look to you and we trust you. We thank you that these ones in Ukraine are in the shadow of the Most High and that you will respond to their cries of their heart. God, we speak hidden in plain view. God, would you hide these ones as they are traveling about, and would you hide them from those who would seek evil towards them, and would you let them be seen by others that need safety, God? We ask that you would make a, a way you are the way maker and so we're trusting you to make the way and so we declare god of salvation would you save the ukrainian people from their enemies god and would you come like a bright light and would you dispel darkness and would you turn the planes around and would you turn the the tanks around god with their um would their assignment of darkness be disrupted in Jesus' name? We call forth angel armies to come on assignment to these ones, God. We're asking that miracle signs and wonders would be released to the Ukrainian people, God, and that you would send help, that there would be Ebenezer stones out of this hour, that there would be salvations like um like souls god we thank you for the the gideons that are right now looking at the giants and that have smooth stones of the word of god that they would um send to their enemies god and we ask for light right now we release light 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 into the darkness and we thank you right now that we can shout shouts of grace to the ukrainian people grace to the mountain in front of you grace to the mountain in front of you we thank you god that you are the mighty one that you are the god who saves that you are the one who makes the way 
God and you are the one of your word. So we say Psalm 121, Psalm 120, Psalm 91, Psalm 35, God. We say thank you, God, for bringing uh, the, new, the Ukrainian people out of trouble, God. And we, we agree right now. Spirit of the living God, be released upon Ukraine and Russia in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ukraine and Russia are yours, God. 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 Ukraine and Russia are yours, Oh God, we pray. Lord, we remember said in, in John 17, you desire, you desire for those who will be saved. We cry out for those who will be saved. And Lord, I ask that you would strengthen the church in Russia. We remember Russia. I ask that you would strengthen the churches there, even through this conflict, that you would strengthen them by your spirit, that you would strengthen the church of Ukraine by your spirit, that you would strengthen them strengthen them i i ask that just as they are the bread basket of europe god i see you sending them out across europe and i ask that they would bring your word the bread of life with them that they, this would be an unexpected missions movement god i thank you for for what you're doing here you know you had this you knew what was going to happen and i thank you that you you have a perfect plan Whatever happens, you, your plans are perfect. Your leadership of your church is perfect. Your timing is perfect. We declare you are a good leader. You are a good father. You know your heart for us is a heart of love. Your heart for the church of Ukraine is a heart of love. Your heart for the, uh, the church of Russia is a heart of love. God, we thank you for what you're doing here. We bless it ask for more an outpouring of your holy spirit this movement of people across ukraine and into europe and around the world we ask that this would be it would usher in revival god father as randy preached today we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. And this man, Putin, if you look at him, he's got this smirk on his face like, I have taken it and it's mine and the world will do nothing and they'll let me handle it. 
Well, God, you are greater than any leader on this earth. I'm asking that you bring him to his knees, that you humble this man who thinks he can rule the world, that you bring him to his knees and you make him understand who you are and who he is. He is nothing but mere man. Lord, we just pray protection over Ukraine. We pray protection over the whole country and every person in that country. And we ask you to bring Putin to his knees. If it's possible, can you just grab each other's hands? We're going to make a prophetic prayer. Because God is a God of unity. There is power in unity. And that's what you see the enemy is doing today all over the world. He's trying to divide people against people. That's not the kingdom of God. And Father, right now, before your presence, we unite as a family, as a body of Christ. It does not matter what culture we came from. It doesn't matter what our opinions or our beliefs are. We are here kingdom-minded people. It's about your kingdom. It's about you. It's not about us. It's not about politicians. It's about doing what you called us to do on this earth. And right now, in your, in, right now, before your presence, we unite together in Jesus' name. And we declare and decree that no devil will be able to divide the church. The devil will not be able to divide the nations. And Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment that the church all over the world is praying today, is deciding today for the nation of Ukraine, for the nation of this earth. Even Israel is praying today for what is happening in the world. But God, we know that you're mighty. But God, we know that you're powerful. But God, that we know that you can change things around. There is nothing impossible for you. And today, we make a prophetic declaration. We make a prophetic prayer. No weapon that is formed against Ukraine will ever prosper. Right now, Lord, we step out in a spiritual realm and we speak into the works of the enemy that you cannot hurt the nation that belongs to God. You cannot shed blood on the territory in the name of Jesus. And right now, we release the angels of war over Ukraine. We activate right now in the spirit, in the name of Jesus, the power of the living God. We release the power of resurrection over Ukraine, over Ukraine right now, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that your hand is over the nation, that your hand is over your people. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we pray, you're already moving in that land. You're already changing the things in that land. And we thank you, your Father. And even today, uh, President Putin, he's been telling people to put the nuclear weapons in alert. Father, right now we make a decree. Not a single nuclear bomb will be activated in Jesus' name. We reverse the plans of the devil. We say and declare it's not going to happen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your power. 
We thank you, Father, that even though today we're living in a day, we're living in the times of darkness, but you're still the King of Kings, but you're still the Lord of Lords, and you're still ruling over the nations in the name of Jesus. And Father, right now, as we stand in here, we release praise, we release worship, we release your power over the nation of Ukraine in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We pray for protection over those families that couldn't leave Ukraine. We pray for those little kids that yelling out of fear. We declare decree that the fear of the devil will not touch their lives. In Jesus' name, we declare decree that the spirit of death is leaving Ukraine right now. In Jesus' name, we declare decree that the spirit of war, demonic war, has to leave right now. In Jesus' name, and we just declare that you right now entering that nation, you're entering that land, your angels being descended over that nation right now in Jesus' name. And we declare and decree that everything the devil has planned will not succeed, will not succeed. We cancel it right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, right now, we give, we give you thanks for giving us the privilege. Even though I'm not from Ukraine, I'm from Belarus. But God, you have given us a privilege to come to this country. And Father, right now, on the territory of America, we want to bless the nation of America. We want to bless in this nation of America. We want to release the blessings over this land. We want to bless this church. We want to bless this ministry in Jesus' name to pray for praying and interceding for the nation of this earth. We bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, thank you, Jesus, that you God not make any accidents. And I just want to share just uh, just a little bit. Uh, yesterday I was crying the whole day uh, because of the what's happening in Russian, Ukrainian, and God tell me that it's in the spiritual we're gonna make a significant move. And as we are sharing, everybody, you're from Germany, like your roots in Germany. Boris, he's from Belarus, who's from in Belarus, Ukrainian, Russia, and I think it's so many other nations, like we are part of it. And if we're gonna pray together, we move, we move the nation, not only, and we all here in America, and we just wanna proclaim the peace, your peace, your love, be upon the nations. We ask you, Jesus, that your love cover all. And we declare that your peace be upon any nations. And all of the church return to you. We ask you, Jesus, that your church will love you. That your church will return to you. Thank you that you wake up us. declare your peace, our mind, our soul, our emotions. We give it to you. 
our words can't describe but you know our hearts each of us heal our land with your love with your peace we thank you Jesus for the opportunity we have we thank you for your anointing we thank you for your visit we thank you we can't say enough that you are God you love everybody we thank you that you are all almighty as we close let me just give you a quick bit of information I asked Russ I said what's it going to cost to get your family out They're at the border what, what are plane tickets cost for all 15 of them around around $20,000 if the Lord lays it on your heart to bless them see him afterwards just do that directly but I've asked his father if he would pray over us as a church if he would commission us to intercede over Ukraine and Russia. I don't know if anybody would have, would have more authority in this area than a Ukrainian who's pastor, who has planted churches in Russia. Like, what do you want? So I'm going to ask if he would come and if he would pray over us, that'll be our benediction. Thank you for your patience. Gone just a little bit over, but uh, we kind of abandoned spectator church a while ago. This is participation. And so we're glad that you were able to participate with us as we pray. Brother, come. Jesus rednil nas svojej krovi. My iskupljeni čeres Galgovski krest. Jesus unite us by his blood. И мы братья и сестры. Друг другу. To each other. Родные и близкие. И здесь, на этом месте, присутствуя в этом служении. Я чувствую вашу любовь. Я чувствую вашу заботу. И все, что мы можем делать, это любить друг друга. And everything we can do in this life is love each other. Before we go into prayer, I just want to read something from Ephesians chapter 3. Мудрее, кротость, долготерпение, снисходя друг другу и прощая взаимно, если кто на кого имеет жалобу. Как Христос простил нас, так и вы. Более же всего облекитесь любовь, которая есть совокупность совершенства. И да владычествует в сердцах ваших мир Божий, которому вы и призваны, в одном теле будьте дружелюбны. Слово Христово да вселяется в вас обильно, все всякою премудростью. Научайте и разумляйте друг друга псалмами, славословием и духовными песнями, в благодати, воспевая в сердцах ваших Господу. И все, что вы делаете, словом или делом, все делайте во имя Господа Иисуса Христа, благодаря через Него Бога и Отца. 
I will read just part of it is Ephesians 3.12. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with the freedom and confidence. Oh, you read Colossians, okay. Colossians 3.12. Я прочитал с 12 по 17 стих. Слава Богу за прекрасное время. И за то, что вы молитесь за нас и за Украину, за Россию. И мы благодарим вас сердечно. И благословляем ваши семьи. И пусть Божья благость прибудет на все поколения в ваших домах, на детях и на внуках, на тысячи поколений. Пусть прославится Его Святое Имя в жизни каждого из вас. И да будет все ко благу во имя Иисуса Христа. Господь, благодарим Тебя. Благословляем Твое Святое Имя, воздаем Тебе всю славу и честь. Поклоняемся Тебе, потому что Ты единственный, достойный Сей И нет никого другого, через Которого бы надлежало бы нам спастись. Спасибо Тебе, Иисус, за Голгофский крест, за искупительную жертву, за пролитую кровь на Голгофском кресте. Thank you for everything he Thank you for his blood and shed for us. And purified today because of his blood. Thank you for the ocean of love that you brought to us. That we will have a peace and love and be free. Free from the sin, from the evil, from everything bad. That we will have freedom. That we will live in that freedom forever. In the name of Jesus I pray. May God bless you. May He keep you. May He see you and give you mercy. May He see you where you at and give you the blessings. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. What can you add? God bless you. Have a great weekend.